as we honor the Blessed Virgin Mary as the mother of God, these days after Christmas encourage us to acknowledge more than the amazing miracle of the incarnation, that God is made man, the word made flesh. The second person of the Holy Trinity has come into the world and taken unto himself a human soul, human nature, human body, human will, human intellect. There's so much for us to consider, to marvel at. One of the most beautiful and succinct ways to capture that mystery is by simply honoring her as the mother of God. Because in three words, we acknowledge that she really is his mother and he really is God. But as we go deeper into this, especially because the Christmas season isn't, isn't the celebration of the ultimate glory and the ultimate victory that God accomplished. It's the celebration of the beginning of God accomplishing that victory. He has now come into the world in flesh. And with that flesh, he will die on the cross and rise from the grave and ascend into heaven. But even during these first few days and first few weeks, there's not just reminders, but already examples of the same. The church celebrates great feast days usually with an octave, eight days of celebrating the same feast. In the case of Christmas, the eighth day today isn't just the end of the long series of celebrations, but it's an event unto itself. You heard it mentioned at the last line of today's gospel, verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The way it reads, it sounds like a coda. It sounds like a conclusion to the previous passage, just a way of summing up these, um, these events. Right after that, in verse 22, we go to the presentation in the temple, which we heard on Sunday. And after that, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, which we also heard on Sunday. But this one line, just two dozen words, describes something worth a little more attention. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Even the very event seems not to be the focus, but rather his name and the visit of the archangel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Well, it was on the eighth day when a boy at that time in the people of God would be circumcised by his father. He'd be given his name. It's not merely a religious ritual 
or something cultural, but by it he was inscribed in the covenant of Abraham. So what we've been celebrating for the last few days, the humility of God, Christ come into the world, allowing himself to be such a humble little infant, allowing himself to be subject to cold and to hunger and to being dirty and needing to be cleaned. All of this has entered into a new dimension. Because so far, what we've been celebrating probably is how perfect he is. He's the perfect man who will offer up the perfect sacrifice after working perfect miracles and giving us perfect teaching. And all of that's true. But in his circumcision and being inscribed into the covenant of Abraham, we see Jesus Christ permitting himself to be identified as one of us, as a sinner. He permits him to be subject to the suffering and the sentence that we deserve, individually and collectively. Now, being marked by the covenant of Abraham isn't simply a, a mark of a sinner, but it's a sinner, obviously, who has been blessed by God, one upon whom God has smiled and has given his promises, but a sinner nonetheless. We will see this play out in an even more obvious way 30 years later at the River Jordan where he comes to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, no, you shouldn't be, and we shouldn't be baptized. If anything, you should baptize me. And our Lord makes it very clear, this is how it must happen. Not for show and not just to, to set an example But because Christ identifies himself with us, he is without sin, he is God, he is incapable of sin, but he identifies himself with us. He subjects himself to what we deserve. And then all of this sees even more obvious um, fulfillment. Remembering that in the circumcision on the eighth day, when his blood was first shed. And Mary, like any mother, probably shed a tear herself, just as any mother does when her, <clears throat> her child is pricked by a needle that isn't understood or has to undergo the scalpel in the hospital long before there's any awareness of what's going on and why. The Blessed Virgin Mary <clears throat> saw her little baby boy not just as a son of Abraham, but as a lamb of sacrifice. And the same mother would see the same son shed his blood on the cross for our salvation. 
and we will see Our Lady's heart exposed how many more times at the presentation where the prophet Simeon will even tell her her heart will be pierced. And again, the next scene, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple where for three days she looks for him, having lost him. We realize then Mary is the mother of God. Her son truly is the second person of the Holy Trinity become incarnate. And because she is the mother of God, she is also the mother of sorrows. Because she will see firsthand what the world does to him, what we have done to him by our sins. And yet she accompanies him in faith and in charity and in mercy. Confident in that message the angel gave her and in every message that God ever sent her from heaven. That with her courage and her faith, she will witness great things. So on this first day of the year, we, we hear those words in a, in a whole different way, that Christ has come to shed his blood, to offer his life in order to make all things new. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.